our story. How many have been in church over 20 years? Lift up your hand if you've been in church over 20 years. How many have been in church under five years? Under five years? Under five years? Look at all you people as well. For those who haven't been in church that long, I want to say it hasn't always been this good. Don't get me wrong, it's been great, but I remember uh, in Wanganui, uh, the music definitely wasn't as good as what we've got today. My mum was the organ player. She played the organ, because uh, that's what pastor's wives did back then. Kathy's learning right now, by the way. No, she's not. No, she's not. Imagine that. That'd be a laugh. Uh, and, uh, you know, it hasn't been this good, but, you know, God was real back then. And uh, we did the best with what we had. And, uh, but I'm thankful that the church has progressed, uh, that the church is still on message. The message hasn't changed, but the methods have. And uh, the message, in the end, has the power to change people's lives. And you know, having grown up in church and seen a whole lot, uh, you thank God for where we are today and uh, the impact and the influence uh, that we're, we're having. And uh, I'm so thankful for the, this church here. As the saying goes, a church isn't built on the gifts and talents of a few, but the sacrifices of many. And uh, I just love the fact that he's called us together uh, to make a difference in our world. And I'm proud of who Equipage Church is here in Auckland, but right around the world in Jesus' name. Well, I'm going to speak around the subject, I believe in Christmas. I believe in Christmas. Many believe in Santa. Many believe in a whole lot of different things at this time. But I want to declare, I believe in Christmas. I believe in Christmas. Christmas is awesome for many different reasons. You know, I'm celebrating my 41st Christmas this year. And uh, I reckon it never gets old. You know, I like Christmas as a kid, but I love it today. Uh, so many people, you know, once they've had Christmas as a kid, they get older. And for some, you know, it's like Christmas loses its edge. Uh, I reckon as, Chris, as Christians, Christmas should never get old. In fact, it should build on the one that's gone before. And uh, for some people, it just becomes another holiday. How many are looking forward to a holiday this year? And in fact, in many societies today, people don't even say Merry Christmas. They say Happy Holidays. What's with that? Uh, this season is all about Christmas. It's not about a holiday or somebody, uh, some people say season's greetings. But in doing so, I reckon they take out the essence of what Christmas and this season is about. Come on, it's Christmas. And within Christmas, you've got Christ. Christ. As center of that, and you got mass, which means mass simply means celebration or, or festival. So, so what Christmas in essence is, it, it is a celebration of Christ. It's not a holiday, just a holiday. By the way, holiday actually means holy day. So you could actually say holiday, if you set it apart for Christ, you know, you'll, you'll experience what it's all about. But if it's just a holiday and it's about self-indulgence and relaxation, you'll miss what, what, what God's purpose for the season is. You know, Christ is central to Christmas. And I, I want to take you back to the Christmas story. Let's go to Matthew chapter 1 this morning. Matthew chapter 1, because I, I want to give you an understanding 
of Christmas because I believe if we understand it, it will heighten our experience when it comes to what this season is all about. So let's go to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says, This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. By the way, it's so, many great, it's so, it's so great to see so many couples getting engaged. I believe this is a great place to find your life partner in church. And I know many people have done that. But here we, here we go. Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. How many know that's supernatural? She became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, and he did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly, as you would do. You know, in that day, especially when there was a whole lot of stigma around that, there must say, you know, here Joseph was engaged to be married to Mary. She was pregnant and the baby wasn't his. So he thought, well, this is awkward. Let's break it off. He thought that, but look what happened. Verse 20, and he says, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. An angel would need to have appeared. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He's going, phew. I was, I was thinking it could have been somebody else. But it was conceived by the Holy Spirit and she will have a son and you will name him Jesus for he will save his people from sins. That's what Jesus means. It means savior. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us, which means God with us. Now, if you've got your Bible, let's go to Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah chapter 7, because this was prophesied about. In fact, within uh, the book of Isaiah, you've got so many messianic prophecies. These are prophesi uh, prophecies concerning Christ. So Isaiah chapter 7, verse 10, it says, Later the Lord sent this message to King Ahaz, Ask the Lord your God for a sign of confirmation. Ahaz, make it as difficult as you want, as high as the heaven or as deep as the place of the dead. But the king refused. No, he said, I will not test the Lord like that. Sounds very spiritual. But then Isaiah said, listen well, your royal family of David, take note of that, your royal family of David, that's King Ahaz's lineage, isn't, enough to, isn't it enough to exhaust human patience? Must you exhaust the patience of my God as well? All right then, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Don't you love how God connects things together? So often when you read things in the Bible and you read in isolation, you don't get the true meaning of what's being said. 
But when you read the Bible and you view it over the history of time, it's like, God, you're amazing. That part connects with that part. That little story over here is part of a bigger story that's going on over here. But the story doesn't make sense in isolation. It's just like some events in our life don't make sense unless they're put in the context of God's purpose. And so many people can misread what's going on in their life because they don't see what God's doing and they don't understand how God's working and they don't understand how that piece of the puzzle over here fits is critical to the bigger picture of what God's doing over here. And sometimes we need God to come to us and open our eyes to it. Now, here we have King Ahaz. He was king of Judah. He wasn't a very godly man. At this point in time, Syria was attacking Judah and and Israel was involved. And so Isaiah comes to Ahaz and says to him, don't worry, it's gonna be all right. God's gonna take care of it. This happens in the preceding verses of what we read out. And he says to Ahaz, just ask God for a sign. God's saying, I'm going to give you a sign. How many would like that? You know, when it comes to your future, when it comes to your direction, how many would like a sign? Right right now. Here he says, just ask God for a sign. Do you know, as New Testament believers, we've got as many signs as we need? They're found in the Bible. So many people today are looking for a sign rather than a scripture. But if you search the scripture, you'll get a sign. Because you've got all that you need in the Word of God. You just need to hunt out a scripture. You need to find and hear God in scripture. Yeah, you know, I want to challenge you over this holiday season to make time to make room for Jesus to speak to you through His Word. Yeah, pick up a good novel, watch a movie, but don't dismiss God's Word because God's Word will direct you. God's Word will keep you on the right path. God's Word, if you meditate on it day and night, will bring about success. So many people want God's success, but they they don't search out a, a, a word from God. The Bible is given to us and it's given for us. So many people are looking for vision and purpose. Don't look for vision and purpose apart from a verse. Get get a verse because God knows the plans He has for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, God's got a plan for you. You can discover it in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Anyway, Ahaz says, oh, well, no, I don't want to ask for a sign because I don't want to test God like that. I don't want to test God like that. That sounds really spiritual. Uh, But we know Ahaz, he wasn't a godly man. Remember that. The reason why Ahaz didn't want a sign was because he had a different plan and he didn't want God to interrupt his plan. I wonder how many of us right now have plans. And even if God came along and said, just ask for a sign, we wouldn't want a sign because it might disrupt what we're already planning to do. You know, I wonder whether we're in a place where we'd actually allow God to disrupt us. Uh, whether we'd actually allow God to cut across our path and change the direction we're going in. 
You know, Ahaz didn't want to do this because he had already done an under-the-table deal with the, uh, the king of Assyria, not, not Syria, but Assyria. And he was going to sell the Israelites into slavery. And the reason why he didn't want a sign disrupting his plan, because he had got it all worked out. He had a plan, and, and he had already got it all worked out where his own life could be saved. He, he didn't want to test God ultimately because he didn't trust God. He wanted to manipulate and do it his own way. I wonder how many of us, when it comes to God's plan and purpose, you know, we want God long as he fits in with our plan and purpose. And, and if it fits in there, then it must be God. But how many know God's ways are higher than our ways? His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. That, that, they're as far as the heaven from the earth. And, and we need to seek our God if we're to live in all that He's purposed for our life. See, it wasn't that He didn't want to test God, it's that He didn't want to trust God. And, and God says to him, hey, I, I'm going to give you a sign anyway. And so He gives him this messianic prophecy. A virgin will conceive and bear a son, and you're to call him Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, some of you are right now saying, well, how's that a sign? How's that a sign? This is 740 years before the birth of Jesus. Uh, but what you've got to understand is you've got to remember that King Ahaz, he was the king of Judah, so he was from the tribe of Judah. But also, as the scripture pointed out, he was from the house of David. Now, now where was the Messiah to come from? He, he was to come from what? The tribe of Judah and the house of David. So, so in this, it should bring great comfort because God is saying, remember, a Messiah is coming from your lineage. It's coming from the tribe of Judah and it's coming from the house of Judah. So, hey, you're gonna be all right because if I destroy you, you know, I'm gonna destroy your lineage, but I won't destroy your lineage because that's where the Messiah is coming from. And this is a sign that the Messiah hasn't yet come. Therefore, nothing can happen to you. God's got a plan. Aren't you glad that you serve a man with a plan? He's got a plan. He's got a bigger purpose in mind. See, when he saved you, he didn't just save you for you. You've got to understand that. When, when God encountered a farmer in Ōtaki, He wasn't just saving a farmer in Ōtaki. He was saving some young lives that would get saved in London. He was seeing some people in Zurich. He, he was seeing some people in Tonga. See, when God cut across his path, when, when, when my father bowed his knee in the rut of a, a, of a dirty farm track, he wasn't just seeing him, he was seeing me. He, he was seeing me and the influence and the impact that God wanted to have through my life. Now, uh, when he did that, see, see, you're not just saved for you. You're not just saved so that you can go to heaven. You're saved and you're called according to His purpose. And so often our stories are, 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 are limited simply because we don't understand the bigger picture of God. 
Uh, it's the same sign that you have today. You know, you can be short. If you're, you're working out God's purpose, uh, that, that your destiny, uh, you're, you're safe in that place. In fact, one person once said, you know, the safest place to be is in the will of God. That's the safest place. You can try and protect yourself, but ultimately the safest place to be is in the will of God. You know, here, in, the, in this uh, messianic, uh, messianic prophecy, he says, Emmanuel, he prophesied, Emmanuel, God with us. Now, now this morning, I want us to, to focus on two truths that should be foundational in our faith. In fact, these two truths are part of our tenets, you know, which are our core beliefs as a church. I, I reckon in many places, uh, the world is trying to erode people's core beliefs. And in fact, I, I did a presentation at university and I was talking about core beliefs and I illustrated it to the lecturers like Roadrunner. How many remember Roadrunner? Beep, beep. And, uh, and Coyote, you know, in Roadrunner. And, uh, you know, Coyote would always chase uh, Roadrunner and uh, Roadrunner would sprint, go off really fast. How many have never seen Roadrunner before? Anybody? Okay, one person, where you been? He's from Switzerland, that's why. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, anyway, Roadrunner would run, run, and then Coyote would be chasing, and then Roadrunner would st suddenly stop, and Coyote would go off the edge of a cliff. How many remember that? And, and then Roadrunner would go, meep, meep, and then, and then take off again. And road, road, uh, Coyote would be suspended in mid-air for some time. It was like you'd just be looking back at Roadrunner, and you'd be suspended in mid-air for some time. I really believe society right now is suspended in mid-air. Because I've walked away from foundational beliefs. Uh, you can't walk away from God and, and, and stay stable. Uh, eventually you will fall. And as it happened with Coyote, he fell and went into the ravine. You know, I believe it's just a matter of time before if people walk away from their core beliefs that, that they will actually deteriorate and they will fall. We see it in society today and we look at it and we go, why is that happening? It's simply happening because people have dismissed God. They've walked away from God. And I want to say, I believe in Christmas, but the reason I believe in Christmas is, to, number one, I believe in the virgin birth. Wow. I believe in the virgin birth. Come on, this is critical and central to our faith in Jesus. I believe in the virgin birth because Jesus, when he came, was fully God. Now, why is the virgin birth important? Well, we're going to explain it. See, many people don't think today it's important, but it's extremely important. Since Jesus was born of a virgin, it means that he was fully God on earth. Uh, let's go to, back to Matthew 1.18. It says, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, for the child within her was conceived, it was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Uh, people like to attack the virgin birth because if he wasn't born of a virgin, he was conceived by man. And if he was conceived by man, he's not God. 
If he's conceived of a man, he, he's not God. You know, come on, I want to give you some understanding to the carols that you sing. No, the way, uh, this is critical. See, the only way for him to be God is he must have been conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was God on earth, Emmanuel, God with us. See, he wasn't a representative of God. He was God himself, God himself with us. You see, in the Bible, it talks about how the iniquities of the fathers are passed down to the children. Uh, notice it doesn't say the mothers. Yeah, you know, some of the mums go, yeah, I knew that. I knew that. I can see it in them. It's their dad's fault. Yeah, it's their dad's fault. Yeah, uh, God used the egg of a woman, but the seed came from God. He wasn't conceived by the seed of a man. Therefore, he didn't have a sin nature. It's really important to believe this. It helps us understand who Jesus is and who he was. Jesus was fully God on this earth. He was fully God. Jesus wasn't a messenger from God. He was God with a message. He was God with a message. Uh, John 3.16, we all know this passage, but I want to break it down, John 3.16, for you right now. It says, for God, the greatest lover, loved to the greatest degree, the world, the greatest company. He gave the greatest act, His only Son, the greatest gift, to that whosoever, the greatest opportunity, believes the greatest simplicity in Him, the greatest attraction should not perish the greatest promise, but the greatest difference, have the greatest certainty, everlasting life, the greatest possession. For God, come on, it's not just a, a, a scripture we quote. We've got to understand that this is all part of the greatest story ever told. It's the greatest story. That's what we're celebrating at Christmas. The greatest story ever ever told. The sad thing today, it's not told that often. You know, Christmas becomes more about holidays and presents and food and family more than it is about Christ. Here's what we need to understand about Christmas. It's Emmanuel, God with us. God didn't send someone to redeem us. He came himself. He came himself. Imagine right now, you've got a speeding phone. Some of you don't need to imagine. You go on. Yeah, and imagine you've got a police officer, friend, or a judge. And you go to your police officer, friend, or judge, hey, can you take care of this for me? Thinking, you know, they'll just go dismiss it and get you off it. And so you meet up with them at a later point, and you go, hey, did you get me off? Is it all good? Is it all taken care of? And the judge goes, yeah, it's all sorted. Sorted it. And uh, you go, well, did you get it dismissed? Did you get off it? And he goes, no, I paid for it. I paid for it. I, I paid the fine. Uh, uh, the question is, were you guilty? Yeah, I broke the law. I spared. I was over the limit. How, how many know justice demands that the penalty be paid? Justice demands that the penalty be paid. And if the judge is righteous, he can't just dismiss it. 
the penalty has to be paid. Uh, come on, here's where it hits home. Many people believe God, the righteous judge, just dismissed their sin. Just dismissed the charges against us. Just, just dismissed, oh, he took care, he just dismissed, no. It didn't happen that way, because why? He's a righteous judge. Uh, what did he do? He paid the penalty himself. Someone always pays, has to pay. And he paid it himself. This is why it's important to believe in the virgin birth. Because it helps us understand that the gospel and how it's connected together. It helps us understand Emmanuel, God with us. God paid the price of our sin. Jesus, he was fully God. I, I believe in the virgin birth. Second thing, number two, I need two is I believe Jesus came in the flesh. I, I believe Jesus came in the flesh. God in the flesh, some people question this. Did he really come in the flesh? Uh, the same argument's been going around for 2,000 years. It's like Jesus said to the disciples in Matthew 16, who do people say that I am? Oh, well, some say you're a prophet. Some say you're a good man. A, a lot of people. When it comes to Jesus, oh, he was a good man, he was a prophet, he did great things, he had great principles, great teaching. The critical question today is, who do you say he is? Who do you say Jesus is? Not, not what a preacher says, not what somebody else says, but who do you say that Jesus is? The answer to that is, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Let's go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. It already existed in the beginning. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. In other words, the Word is Jesus. Uh, so when you read the Bible, you're, you're, you're reading Jesus. You're connecting with Jesus. Because the, the word began before, it was with God, and the word is God. Word equals Jesus. If you haven't picked that up before. But verse 14, and let's jump down to John 1, 14. It says, so the word became flesh and made his home among us. Uh, the word became flesh, and as the message version says, it moved into the neighborhood. It dwelt among us. The Word became flesh. Now, I want us to go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 2 to 3. It says, and I want you to see that this is critical for us to believe. Because there's an attack on people's minds when it comes to this stuff. And I really believe, you know, if we can understand this, this is going to heighten Christmas. Come on, how many want a good Christmas? This is going to heighten what we sing around Christmas time. Many of you sing carols, but you don't know what they mean. You know, it's got some funny language in there. Hopefully, this is going to give you some understanding. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4, uh, verse 2. It says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. 
Ah, he's just a good man. Ah, he's just a prophet. Read that in light with that verse. Now, what is it? I think you can draw the conclusion. Second John chapter 7. It says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. That's the antichrist. Okay. So, so what we can conclude. Jesus, he was fully God, but Jesus was also fully man. God came as a man, as a man. Uh, why is this important to believe? Because if he didn't come as a man, he didn't die. That's why it's important. And if he didn't die, follow me right now, our sins aren't atoned for. Our sins aren't forgiven. And he had to die to pay the price of our sins. Now, I want to get you to understand that. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Uh, you're following me this morning. Following this, uh, come on, I'm giving you a theology when it comes to Christmas. Yeah, you've got to lean into this. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. It says, because God's children are human beings. We're all human beings. God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood. So the Son also became flesh and blood for only as a human being he could die, and only by dying he could break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only as a human being he could do that. And Jesus, what did he do? He broke the power of death. Now, every one of us, unless Jesus returns, will face death. But here's the great news. Jesus has faced death already, and he's overcome it. Come on, we need to get excited about that. That is good news. Jesus has faced it already, and he's overcome it. Death has lost its sting. Yeah, it's true. He suffered. He bled. He died. He died for me, and he rose again. Now, at some point in time, we're all going to go through death's doorway. Now, now, most of us in this room, at some point in time, have lost somebody who's been close to us someone we love, and it's painful, and it's tough. It's hard to watch somebody suffer and die. But here's the deal. God knows how you feel. Many people forget this. Jesus became a man and was subject to death. God watched his child, his son, die. God knows how you feel. Some of you may say, but, but God knew he would rise again. And I'd say the same to you. So do you. So do you. If you're a believer in Jesus, you have hope. Yeah, it's still tough. It's painful. But because Jesus rose from the dead, we have victory. We have victory today. Come on, there's something to celebrate. We, come on, give them a big hand clap. Come on, you're not clapping a message. You're clapping the one who suffered, who died, who rose again, who conquered sin and death once and for all. And it's that belief that holds us. 
Uh, we believe in the virgin birth because it tells us that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Uh, the world right now wants you to doubt that truth. But you've got to believe it. You've got to settle it as a foundation in your spirit. We believe He came in the flesh. He came as a man, suffered as a man, died as a man. Come on, I, I want you to sh just quickly show you uh, in a scripture that's often on Christmas cards and, and, and quoted during Christmas time. It's another, uh, another messianic prophecy found in Isaiah chapter 9. And, and many of you will recognize this, but I want you to see the components where God was fully man, fully God, and He was fully man. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, it says, For unto us a child, a child is born, man. Man, and unto us a son, a son, son of God, is given. A, a son is given. Fully God, fully man. That's the miracle of Christmas. That's the miracle of Christmas. Just imagine if Adam wasn't with Eve when she sinned. Now, we know he was there, and he didn't protect his wife, and they both sinned. But, but what if Adam hadn't sinned? Uh, what if Adam had been across the garden and he was playing golf while Eve ate the fruit? That would, would have been a better thing to do. But yeah, imagine that. Uh, you know, the conversation could have gone something like this. God would have said to Adam, hey, I'm sorry to tell you, son, but the bride I made for you has sinned. And because she has sinned, she is going to die. She's going to die. That didn't happen. We know it didn't happen because Adam was there. But what did happen? Yeah, see, God the Father had to go to his son and say, Hey, son, I'm sorry to tell you, but the, the bride that I made for you has sinned has sinned, and is going to die. It's going to die. Right at that point, our Lord and our Savior said, I'll die for her. I'll die so my bride can live. That's right. I'll die. I'll take her place so she can live. That is the story of Christmas. That's the greatest story. That's good news. For somebody who's yielded their heart to Jesus, and I, that's good news. You don't have to die. Jesus died in your place, and He did it so that we might have life and that we might live. I believe in Christmas. I believe in the good news of Jesus. I believe in the virgin birth, and I believe that Jesus came in the flesh. See, when you get that established in your heart, you, know, you begin to see things, events in your life, as part of a bigger picture. See, events in your life, out of context, they don't make sense. But you put them in context, it's amazing what new levels you go to. It's amazing what you take joy over. 
You begin to go, wow, that's incredible. Other people will miss it. But because you understand, you go, wow. This isn't just about lifting my hands and singing a few songs on a Sunday. This is about eternal life. This is about the greatest story, the greatest gift. You know, the greatest sacrifice, the greatest love. I'm not going to sing it, the greatest love. But this is about it. And suddenly your walk with God goes to a whole nother level. Come on, I want to say, church, don't get religious this Christmas time. Don't just fall into the pattern of this world. But come on, can we treasure our Savior, our Redeemer, Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. Come on, how about standing to your feet right now? We're going to sing a song that we sung earlier in the service. It's the Apostles' Creed. It's a, I believe. I believe in you. I believe. I believe in I really believe there's, there's, there's such power in confessing what you believe. Because it's with the confession of your mouth and the belief in your heart that it brings about salvation. Yeah, it's a believing mouth and a, 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 it's a faithful mouth and a believing heart that causes mountains to move. Come on, right now, would we put our faith in Jesus? Would we look to Him? Even right now, would you just close your eyes? I want you in this moment to focus on Jesus. Because this, this God, the God of all eternity, the creator of heaven and earth, He's present. He's with us right here, right now. Emmanuel, He knows what you're going through. And today you can find hope in Him. Today you can discover a purpose to your life that's bigger than yourself. Come on, right now, some of you are looking down. God wants you, your head to look up. If you look up, you just see Him. You see His answer. You see His provision. You see He wants to deliver you and set you free. Come on, we're gonna sing this song right now. I want us to sing it in full voice this morning. This is how we love it.